Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to the Art of Decluttering podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Amy Ravel from Simply Organized. And I'm Kirsty Faruja from Feels Like Home. We can't wait to share with you all our tips and tricks to help you declutter and keep your home and family organized. To hang out with us more, check out the Art of Decluttering on Facebook and Instagram. And we'd love you to check out our website, outofdecluttering.com.au and see all that's happening over there. Let's Let's get get started. started. Welcome everybody to our episode today. It's episode 101. We want to encourage you though, if you haven't listened to our 100th episode with the beautiful Brooke McCallery, we want you to go back and listen to that one first. That was an interview that Kirsty and I did just, you know, chatting about simple life and slow living. And this week, this episode, we're actually talking about some questions that we've got from you guys. Before we get started though, I wanted to do a Patreon shout out. This week, our episode is brought to you by Amy Kalman, Beck Finnis, Belinda Woodward, Carly, Chantal Griffin, Danielle Jones, Diane Miller, Jen, Lisa Payne, Olivia McMullen, Susan Gould, Sue Lewis, and Megan Gascoigne. So thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. You guys help us get this podcast on the air each week. Brooke, welcome back. Thank you for having me back. Whee! I'm going to fan, I've got, this is like episode two of Kirsty fangirling all over Brooke. <laughs> so ridiculous, but true. Okay. So we've got all these questions. So we went out to our Facebook um, followers and um, our fans and followers on Instagram and asked them to hit us up with questions because a lot of them are also fangirling you, Brooke. Um, So I think we should start a new hashtag, hashtag fangirl Brooke McCallery. (laughs) (laughs) So our first question comes from Carly Dobbs and she says, she asked, do you feel like the lack of personal connection and community leads to an accumulation of stuff in our society? And if so, what could we do about it? It's, it's such a good question. Um, I, I mean, I, I do, actually. I think that for a lot of us, and I, I mean, I can only talk from my experience, I guess, but um, I used to accumulate stuff because I wanted to prove to people that I was worthy, you know, or worth something or successful or, uh, you know, I had my, my stuff together and very rarely was it actually about the stuff as you know, when I was letting go of it, it felt good to let go of it. Not, not bad. Uh, and I think that that's the case for a lot of us. You know, I think that, that life, and this is the beautiful kind of co- culmination point of, of slow living and simplicity here is that when we slow down, when we take the opportunity to have, deeper conversations or to deepen our relationships with people to connect to like smile at the barista you know to to line up and talk to a human being uh at the bank all of those things help fill up a tank that is very very empty for most of us because of the pace of life you know i think we're we're all rushing around trying to get everything done trying to be productive and efficient Mm -hmm. uh, and also look good on instagram while doing it and i think that we we have prioritized in a lot of ways the the wrong things Uh, and I think many of us are feeling that but we don't necessarily know how to to make a change and the other thing that is really going it's working against us is this marketing world this like ad driven ad soaked world that we live in there's a whole system set up 
to capitalize on our pain points. And I think that unless we are really aware of that and really make it our personal business to set up a boundary and honor it and protect it, then it's almost impossible to operate um, within that without it affecting you. Uh, And I think that those two things combined, you know, all of us feeling a bit of a lack of of, of community or connection, plus being sold these things that they're promising us time or they're promising us happiness uh, when in reality we need to make more money in order to to pay for them. Uh, It's this kind of perfect storm of of stuff and loneliness. I mean, I had a conversation with someone recently and she said loneliness is an epidemic and I think she's right. You know, Um, I think that unless we are very actively trying to combat that in our own lives, it's, it's very likely that, that most of us have felt lonely at some point over the last little while. Um, and we try and fill that, that gap with the things that we're, sold, that we're told we'll, we'll fix it, you know. So I do think so. And I think what we need to do about that is to start recognising the inputs in our lives. I mean, I read this statistic years ago about the, the amount of information that we receive on a daily basis uh, is more than our ancestors would have ever received over their entire life. And that's just on one day, you know, and that was pre-internet days. So now it would be tenfold, hundredfold. I think we need to be mindful of the inputs into our lives. You know, social media is one of them, media, the internet, advertising, magazines, television, podcasts, everything. It's all input into our lives. And some of it's really beneficial. And I think that um, by getting much more intentional with what we allow in, we're actually going to start, first of all, honouring those boundaries around, you know, around our priorities, but also creating a bit more space in our heads and in our hearts and and in our minds. And when we've got that space, uh, it's easier to to live with more intention. It's easier to make choices rather than, you know, automatically go for the lowest hanging fruit. Um, And I think that that's where, you know, like I said at the beginning of this very long answer, uh, that's kind of the culmination point of slow living and simplicity. I think by learning how to be intentional and slowing down, we then make changes that affect, you know, our purchasing habits, the stuff that we own, the stuff that we don't own and the stuff that we let go of. Brooke, I really like when you talked about loneliness there. I had a conversation with a client yesterday that she described that clutter and loneliness had become a cycle. So she'd purchased things because she felt lonely. Those things had cluttered up her house that then in herself, she didn't feel comfortable inviting people over, which caused that increase in loneliness, which caused an increase in accumulation. And she said yesterday, so I always start my sessions with what's the vision and what's our goal. And it was, I want to be able to invite people over. And I think being able to acknowledge that I want to not only break the cycle of clutter, but that loneliness can actually be a big trigger for that. So thank you for um, yeah bringing that to light. I think I think that's going to help a lot of people. So Carly, who's asking this, the last question and this next question, she is a super fan of yours as well. She actually came to our podcast and um, became one of Amy's clients and now works for Amy because of you and your interview with me, Brooke. So thank you. Thank you for adding Carly to our lives. Um, so her next question is that she that she notes that you guys are looking for your next place to live um, and location aside – because we can't get you to stay in Sydney, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, how much does size and layout and the feel of a house or an apartment influence the decision? Um, is one more important than the other to you guys? Uh, yeah, we're, we, I mean, we, we come into this whole process really open and I find that having very few expectations has helped so far. Uh, you know, and, and, and in terms of expectations, I mean, not only what will it feel like if we find the place, but also what will the place look like? Um, so that has sort of let us be more curious about the whole process rather than feeling like we're on a timeline uh, or a deadline. And I think when we left our, our place in the Blue Mountains, it's funny, ben, neither Ben nor I have felt any um, sense of regret or, or loss even since being back and we drove past a couple of times <laughs> uh, and that didn't sort of kick off any, any longing. Uh, I, I think we've sort of realized that while it's important to find a place that feels like home, it's also, uh, it's, it's what we do with it. You know, the building itself 
the yard itself, the garden itself is not going to be, it's not going to fill a hole for us. It's what we make of it. So, I mean, carrying that, that acknowledgement through the process has been really helpful. But we did know that when we left, we wanted maybe less house than we had. And it wasn't a huge house. It was, you know, a, a four bedroom place. I could vacuum most of it without unplugging the vacuum cleaner. So, you <laughs> know, yeah, yeah, it was kind of, that's a good size for, for me. Um, but we did want a bit more space, um, a bit more land. And I think that's partly because we just love being outside. Um, so we did come, we did leave Australia thinking maybe when we come back, we could go like an urban setting or we could live in a, like a, a townhouse and not to say that we wouldn't, but it would be a, a probably a pretty special place that allowed us to have that sense of outdoors um, as well. But I think the the trip that we've taken over the past 15 months has been really interesting in what we want in a house. Is I mean, we've been a unit of four for the last 15 months. And, and when we're not together, I mean, even if the kids are doing something in their room and Ben and I are watching a movie, like I kind of miss them. <laughs> so it's like not having this, um, this huge house where we all lose each other, I think is really important. I, I want, and Ben wants a place that we can all come together at the end of the day, or, you know, we always eat a meal together, but even sit down and play a board game or watch a movie. Uh, it's that, that sense of, togetherness that that we've really fostered over the past year and a half and I don't want a house that will make that hard to do. And what does that look like as you're heading into you know you very fast approaching teenage years with your tweens? <laughs> um, do you how do you think that have you thought much about those impending quick years? <laughs> we have thought about it and I think it's important to be realistic about that. I mean, our 10 year old is not going to want to sit with us every night <laughs> very soon. Uh, you know, she'll be happy to have her own space. And that is something the kids shared rooms while we traveled and they were happy to do that. But they've also both said that they're not happy to do that permanently once we get back. And that's completely understandable as well, I think. So Brooke, our next question is from Sophie Sparkles. She asks, what new things have you learned about slow travel following your road trip for your book tour? Is there anything you did differently from previous advice that you've given? So I guess like, did you have ideas that changed? She's taking an extended trip soon, similar to yours, and would love to know how you've adapted from previous trips. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. So there's a, I think the reality of the trip was an interesting um, wake up call as opposed to the theory of it. So, I mean, I feel like our trip had two really distinct um, parts to it. You know, we had the, the slow travel where we would spend a month in an area and we'd probably Airbnb for that whole period in the one spot. So we, you know, had a home base and that was one kind of slow travel, which meant that we could cook meals every night and unpack and, you know, go to the library and, and, and sort of dive into the community that we were staying in. And then we had the road trip for the book tour where the longest we stayed in any one place was five nights, but most of the time it was a day, like one day, one night, and then we'd get up and and move on the next day for another book event. And that, the reality of that was very different, obviously, to the first kind of part of the trip. So for me, it was letting go of the, uh, you know, best practices that I had read about and had thought we would be able to follow and sometimes be okay with getting fast food on the way to the hotel that night because that was the slowest and simplest thing we could have done. Um, it didn't happen very often, but it was kind of letting go of this idea of how would I run this perfectly uh, and replace it with what's the best thing for all of us right now. Uh, and doing things like, you know, going to a Whole Foods, which was one of the awesome things about being in the States, like you got to go to Whole Foods. And, you know, we bought an Esky and we packed snacks and, fruit and veggies and that sort of stuff. And that kind of kept us going and keeping things as simple as possible. And we were traveling really intensely. Uh, but sometimes that wasn't going to cut it. You know, the kids like, mom, I don't really want carrot sticks for dinner. <laughs> you know, yeah, and that's no perfectly acceptable <laughs> as well. So I think that, you know, um, letting go of, of the idea of what I thought it should look like and actually going with what was going to work for us was a huge shift. But one of the other things that I loved, even when we were 
traveling really intensely was instead of just stopping, I mean, some of our, our road trip days were eight hours. So we would, the first couple of weeks of the, the road trip, we would just stop at whatever was on the highway and get something to eat, stop, stretch our legs. But we decided pretty quickly that that was not filling any of our buckets in any way. So we'd like, well, let's find the closest town off the highway and go in and, and you know, get out and actually have a walk around. And we had some of the most amazing experiences in these little towns. I mean, I had the best donut in my life in this tiny town in Texas. And we still talk about it. We talk about like the Texas donut town. And, you know, we've got lots of Texas listeners. So tell us where it is so they, they can go and find it. There's a town that, um, you know, the Bowie knife, um, like I think it's a hunting knife. They used to make the knives there or the factory for the knife is still there. I only remember it because there was a giant sculpture of one. Okay. Our next question comes from Mara Morrison and Karen Barber. They um, wanted to know how do you store and sort and publish all of your family traveling photos? Oh, great question. And if anyone has any suggestions, let me know. (laughs) (laughs) I have um, a very rudimentary system, which is called put my card into my uh, laptop, dump all the photos, store it to iCloud and deal with it later. (laughs) And I haven't yet (laughs) got that. So that is actually one area of my life that I am not in the slightest bit systematized or organized. um, Except that I have, you know, as I was uploading things, I just store them in a monthly folder. So at least I have a rough idea for happening. Uh, But that is a project that I think I I have earmarked, you know, the month or two after we settle into our new place. That's something I'd really like to do. Ben loves making videos and he shot so much footage on the GoPro while we're away. So I think we'll sit down and and kind of have a a bit of a creative fest for a month or so and start to put those things together. And I do think that um, having a physical copy of some of our photos will be something that I'll do, even though it's not necessarily perfectly minimalist of me. I love having a photo album that you can flick through just of you know, like not many, not all of them, but just a selection of some of our favorite kind of memories. And um, so maybe doing a photo book or something like that will also be part of that process. It's so much easier sitting down as a family and flicking through a photo album, photo book, than all trying to squish around one tiny phone. Well, exa- exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And I mean, and the kids will look through my phone and go like, on occasions and look back at all the photos and they love doing that. I imagine yeah. if it was, you know, the four of us, we could sit down and, and chat about it. We do this thing where if we're out for a meal or go for a walk or we're in, on a car trip, I'll say random memory, go. And they will just talk about some random memory from the trip. And that is one of my favorite things to do. And I think that having physical copies of photos can often help us in much the same way, develop a stronger memory of those things uh, because, you know, you use it to shape your memory and, and tap back into it. That's exactly what I was going to say. I was like, I love, I love that idea, random memory. We're going to use that game in my family from now on thanks Brooke but I I the stories that I remember and um, we talk about this in sentimental items episode and um, memorabilia is that it is the stories that you tell yourself um, and, and the stories that you pass on are what people remember they don't necessarily remember um, a physical item like you know for instance if you great grandma passes you down something that can easily be broken or stolen but you'll remember the stories that she told you about it and the same with photos and the you know in our our memories like I remember um the story of my you know of a photo and I told myself that story so many times that now at 41 I can I now have still that memory that physic of the of the physical happening of that photo rather than just not having that memory <laughs> so I think that um in some instances it's it, I think in all instances it's really important to tell stories um and then that can be the touchstone um for your um for either being able to let go of a physical thing or um, the importance of keeping physical things because they help you to remember stories. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I'm, I'm not black and white about sentimental items either because I do think that sometimes they have a, they have a, a part, a 
yes. play in people's lives. I just think that it's when it's that we mindlessly kind of hold on to all of them out of fear of forgetting that that's not helping us necessarily. It's, you know, keeping in inten- intentionally choosing to keep something is very different to keeping everything out of fear, you know? And I think that the, the way that that impacts our memories, particularly when we've got those, that small collection of intentionally kept things or photos or whatever it may be that that impacts our memories in such a positive way. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I agree with you completely. Preach it, sister. (laughs) Brooke, our next question comes from Jamie and they would like to know, how did the kids learn while you were doing your tour around America and Canada? Did you keep a lot of resources and how did you keep what they produced to a minimum? Yeah, so we were, we enrolled our kids in distance education um, rather. We didn't homeschool them. So they were enrolled in a school in Sydney um, called Sydney Distance Education and it's such a fantastic program. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. It's like, I don't know, $300 a year per student, something like that. And that's because we're internationally traveling internationally. And they send out every term, they send out a package of all the materials, books, um, paints, maths materials, everything that you will need for that term. And at the end of every week, we just use our smartphones to scan the work the kids do and send it back to their teachers for marking. So for me, it was such a uh, it was such a lifesaver. I you know had having not homeschooled our kids before, knowing that Ben was working full time while we were travelling, and that I was going to be on the book tour. I was not in the slightest bit confident that I would be able to a learn, you know, how to best homeschool our kids and then do a good job of it. So to have that structure uh, and the materials was a really it was an enormous benefit and a huge kind of relief for me. So in terms of keeping or not keeping the things that they produced, we just scanned everything and we still have copies of all of that. Um, the kids both got a black, um, like a, a cloth bound kind of journal um, before we left. And that was where I had thought that they would journal and stick in, you know, some creations that mm-hmm. that they had, uh, had made on the trip. But what it actually turned out to be was just a really cool notebook for them. So everything that they drew outside of school stuff, everything that they created, uh, our son was making a comic book, our daughter was, you know, planning out a story. That's all in the one place, which really helped, you know. And every time we went anywhere, they would carry their journals and their pencil case. And, you know, it was, it was really lovely actually to see them um, explore that, that creative side in a, in a different way. We have some amazing sponsors that help the Art of Decluttering get on the air every single week. We're on every single podcast app. We're on YouTube. We're even in Virgin Australia flights in their in-flight entertainment system. So if you want to reach our growing community, we would love you to come on board as a sponsor. So if that is of interest to you, email hello at outofdecluttering.com.au and we'll get our sponsorship kit straight out to you. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Now, back to the show. Amy Kelman asked the next question. She says, many people come to slow living as a result of some form of crisis, illness, relationship breakdown, or cancer, like this 
Amy is our cancer survivor that we spoke to a couple of weeks ago. Um, So she wants to know any tips on how to encourage um, others to challenge their thinking around slow living without the catalyst of a crisis. Um, Yeah. What are your thoughts about that, Brooke? Yeah, it's really interesting that that almost every story we hear is as a result of some sort of crisis, you know, as the catalyst point, health crisis, relationship, finances. And it's a question that I'm actually asked a bit, how do we get people there without going through that rock bottom crisis point? And I think um, for me, it's about creating an opportunity for people to look, uh, you know, that realisation we all, all come to at some point of whether or not we're living or existing, you know, how do you get people to that point? And I think that having an honest conversation or going through a, an exercise that highlights whether or not we are simply living or, you know, that we are simply existing or whether we're really living life could be, could be really helpful. Um, there's, you know, if you look online, you can download these values cards that I think are really helpful. And there's an exercise that goes along with it. There's hundreds of different websites that, that have them and I think they're all free downloads. Um, but essentially you go through this, I think there's 50 something values on these cards and you pick out maybe your top 10 values. And then you go through those top 10 and you find maybe three or four core values for your life. And it can be things like family or, um, you know, spirituality or community, creativity, heaps of different things. And it's such a helpful exercise because at the end of it, you have this essentially what, you know, I did with my eulogy. It's this, this core group of things that you value above all others. And then you're able to ask yourself, well, am I living a life right now that has these values at the center? And if the answer is yes, then that's fantastic. You know, you're, you're well on your way to living intentionally, but so often for, for us, the answer is no. And that can bring about that, that realization, you know, that, that crisis often bring to the surface, but it's my hope that helping people through that process brings it about without hitting rock bottom or without going through the, through the crisis itself. Cause that's, I don't know about you, but that's a really confronting question to ask, you know, am I living a life that is in accordance with my why or my values and if not where is my time and energy actually going and I think if you're able to guide people through that process um you know without breaking anyone's heart or anything like that then that's a really powerful place to start from for two reasons first of all it gets you there without the you know the the pain but it also gives you somewhere to start because you've already done the work of figuring out what your values are. And then you can start to think, well, what can I do to slowly start to shift these into the center of my life? What can I move out? What can I change about what I'm doing Uh, and and go from there? And as you um, spoke about last time, you hinted at, um, but I know you've spoken on your podcast and um, about this idea that um, even if there's no big crisis that you go through, the actual work of changing your life and, you know, whether that be through the art of decluttering or, um, you know, writing your eulogy or doing, you know, anything, it, it's not comfortable, it's not easy, it can bring up, you know, a crisis of your soul anyway. <laughs> so it's not for the faint-hearted. Um, but that, but it's so worthy and it's so worth the investment of your time and your energy and the deep work that it takes to actually uncover what's really going on. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. And I think that's something that we don't necessarily talk about enough in the initial stage. Well, I, I didn't, um, in the initial stages of, of, you know, figuring out what this whole journey was, was that it's really uncomfortable because I think, we hear about, um, you know, decluttering, for example, as a, a way to lighten the load mentally, physically, emotionally. But <clears throat> so often people discover that <laughs> in, in making space, other stuff, unexpected stuff comes up, you know, to the surface and takes up that space. And we find ourselves asking 
uh, you know, questions about, well, who am I? And, uh, you know, what do I value and, and what do I want my life to look like? And, and that kind of brings up questions of, well, you know, what do I believe in? And I think that's quite unexpected. Um, it was quite unexpected for me to have this sort of identity crisis along with decluttering. Uh, but it's, as you say, not for the faint of heart, but it's also something that once you start to see, it's impossible to unsee. And I don't know anyone who has gone through it and, and wishes they hadn't, you know, I think that it's so transformative and so positive, but you've like the only way through it is through it. Brooke, I've got a couple of quick fire questions for you. Rebecca Chensey wants to know, can Brooke be my friend? Absolutely. <laughs> That's a quick answer. I love it. Um, is this next one from you, Kirst? Yeah. Or is yeah, it a different so, Kirsty? No, it's from me. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> so her question is if you could set up home or go on a retreat in, how do I say that word? Ballingen. Ballingen, and invite three people to hang out with you, who would they be and why? Um, the first one would be Jack Johnson because I love his music. Oh, yeah. uh, I love his philosophy on the environment uh, and the work that he and his wife have done to they buy up these huge tracts of land in Hawaii not to do anything with them other than to protect them um, and he's started a foundation where their, um, their I think their main reason for being is to help large festivals and events and surf carnivals and that sort of stuff become plastic free and I think that that's a really fantastic um, practical way of kind of taking his platform and turning it into something positive Plus, I just love his music. So he'd have to bring his guitar and he'd have to entertain me. <laughs> <laughs> There's all these rules that come with being invited to Brooks Retreat. <laughs> Who's number two? Uh, Jamila Jamil, uh, Jamil, who is a – have you watched the TV yes. show? The Good yes. <laughs> I was thinking surely she's not talking about The Good Place. I love her. Yeah, she's fantastic and I – love what she's about you know outside of being hilarious on tv as well so she started the whole i way movement uh which is about basically saying no to diet culture and the the entire social media system of making people feel bad about the way they look and then selling them you know detox teas and things like that um and she's become a, an incredibly strong voice um over the last year and I love her. I think she's hilarious, first of all, but also yeah. she stands for something really good and beneficial um, and kind of just turns standards of beauty on their head. Says, well, why, 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 why is it only one thing? Why is beauty one thing? Why can't it be all of these things? And why can't beauty be about how people feel about themselves, not about how they look, uh, you know, and I think it's, it's fantastic and really important. So I'd love to have a conversation with her about that. And then she's just someone I'd also just like to be mates with. <laughs> <laughs> and have you got a third person? I, I have two. I'm kind of tired. Is it both of us? Is it both of us, Brooke? <laughs> Is that why you can't pick? Exactly. I couldn't, I couldn't separate the two of you. Package deal. You get to come too. <laughs> Who's your real three and four? And four. Um, so Jane Goodall, just because she's amazing uh, and but also Jonathan Van Ness. I couldn't, they're very different people. Oh my uh, I could not, <laughs> could not separate the two of them. Um, and I like, like who's, that? who's that? I don't know that name. Or that so he's a host of the new Queer Eye. Yes. Oh do yeah. I don't watch Queer Eye. I can't get into it. Oh, so I love it. First, We can't be friends anymore, Amy. <laughs> I just, again, I think he's um, someone who's taking his platform and turning it into a really positive thing um and his podcast like getting curious is fantastic asking questions and digging deep uh but also getting involved uh politically as well um and i think that he should give me a haircut too <laughs> gold so you've got someone to play music yep. some people just to talk with make you feel good and make and you laugh. solve the problems of the world have a good laugh and then a good haircut Exactly. Totally sorted. I'd be getting a foot masseur because someone that we can include that would do that. Well, I, Jonathan would be able to do that all standing butt naked with stilettos on. <laughs> you got to look at his Instagram feed, Amy, to know what I'm, I'm not talking sure about. I'm sure I do. 
You don't see anything. Right. He's awesome. I love him. See, that's why we will be number five. That's why I will be number five because (laughs) Brooke and I are twins. (laughs) I'm going to ask you the next rapid fire question and then we've got a couple more that might take a little bit more. Um, But Jen Hearted from Insta says, what things, not people or places, did you miss while you were on the road? Oh, okay. I missed having a blender. (laughs) I missed being able to. So if we got to an Airbnb and they had a blender, I was delighted, Um, you know, because I could make a smoothie. I could, uh, I could, you know, blend up some soup or cashew cream or whatever. So that was something, that was one of the first things I bought when I got home actually was a blender. (laughs) At least you know you really wanted it. Exactly. That's exactly right. Uh, and was there anything else that I missed? I know I didn't give you a heads up on this question. Sorry. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, Ben missed mowing lawns. So that was what? unexpected. Did he, could you have just like randomly said to your Airbnb host, hey, if you leave the lawnmower out, we'll do you a, a good deal? <laughs> well, it was either, either it was, everything was covered in snow or yeah, uh, so it, he replaced it with shoveling sidewalks and shoveling like, <laughs> you know, the snow. So that was, that was good. He found, a, he found something to take its place. Uh, and then when we were traveling in the summer, it was so hot and so dry that the lawns were all kind of dead anyway. <laughs> We actually had Kate Schultz ask if we could interview Ben. And I actually think that's so I'm, I'm bummed that we didn't think about it earlier because I, but I think we're going to have to get him on because I would love, love to interview Ben about his journey, having a frantic wife turned changing the world, world changer <laughs> and what it's been like for him and his journey. It's, yeah, I mean, his, his shift has been enormous. Oh, Yeah to go from, you know, working hugely long days in the city and commuting kind of three hours every day to being self-employed and doing the vast majority of that from home has has seen massive changes, you know, and I don't think we're even necessarily finished unpacking all of those yet either. Yes, that's why we love your podcast because you and Ben together, you have to do more um, hostful podcasts. I do love the hostful episodes. <laughs> I know I miss doing them actually. We're only doing one a season at the moment. I think we need to double that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just for us. <laughs> just so all the, we, I just love your relationship as well. Like I love the way you speak to each other and the way you honor and um, be respectful and have a laugh at each other as well. And, and it's just, definitely a lot of that. Yeah. It's I, just a really lovely, respectful conversation. It is. And I think it's really changed the way that I speak with my husband. Like it, you speak not, I was going to say like you're real friends. Like I, I feel like my husband's a real friend, but there's also the busyness and I think that there's a real sacred space that you and Ben um, talk and I, I love that and I'm not someone who's great at sitting and having conversations. I much prefer to be doing with people. So um, thank you, my marriage and my husband say thank you, Brooke. <laughs> I'm going to ask another question from um, who are we up to? Rebecca Ann. She says, calendar clutter with young kids and both parents working full time. How on earth do you do it? How do you fit in swimming lessons, kinder, work, food, playdates, family time and not be frantic all the time? I mean, it's, it, I think it's a, that is an ever-present uh, struggle for people to, to feel like they've found some kind of balance and my solution is to do away with the idea of balance because oh. I don't think that balance is helpful, particularly if it's, if it's um, served up as work-life balance, you know, because yeah. I think that term just makes everyone feel guilty, makes them feel like they're doing too much of something and not enough of another. And there is a constant state of, um, of, of not being or doing enough. Oh. So I think, first of all, let go of the idea of balance and maybe replace it with this idea of tilting, you know. So instead of, yeah, instead of, instead of trying to, to stand on this one-legged stool in the middle of our lives and make sure we don't tip too far in any direction, willingly tilt too far, you know, not too far, willingly tilt in the direction of whatever it is that is required of you in that moment, you know. So whether that is 
doing the the you know the, the the lunches in the morning just do the lunches in the morning and be all into that and acknowledge that that means you're not checking your emails at the same time and you're not having a phone call you're not thinking about your meeting uh, because then when it's time to put the kids in the car take them to kindergarten and then head off to work then you tilt into work and you acknowledge that that means you're not parenting actively at the moment and that's okay so I think by shifting our mindset away from feeling like we need to be across all, all the boards all the time to just say, no, I'm, I'm doing this one thing right now uh, makes a, a big shift. But also I think in terms of calendar clutter, uh, what has worked for my family is to probably every year or so recalibrate what enough looks like busyness wise. And for us for a long time, that was the kids having swimming lessons was a non-negotiable for us. I think being Australian and a lot of time at the beach, that's not even counted as an activity. That's just something you have to do. Um, (laughs) It's it's not after school activity. It's part of life. It's a life skill, you know. Um, And then on top of that, one extracurricular activity of the kids choosing. And they knew from the beginning of the year that they could choose to have a different one every term if they wanted. But if, you know, our son wanted to play soccer, he couldn't also do drama uh, because our time, like our calendar wouldn't necessarily cope very well with that. Uh, And that's because we would always have a period of time over the weekends that was just for family, whether it was a Sunday afternoon or a Saturday morning, you know, almost blocking that out on the calendar and defending it really quite uh, staunchly helped a lot and it meant that we could say no to a lot of things and we knew why we were saying no and it was because we we had that time as a family and of course as the kids schedules change or they might get really involved in a particular sport that's going to shift you know you're going to have years where it takes more time than the one hour a week that it used to but it's about intentionally recalibrating that and saying well is there anything that we can take away and make space for? Is there something that we can um, outsource? You know, also looking at whether or not there's a friend who lives nearby who does the same thing and they can do carpooling and you can swap every second week uh, and start to think more community based in terms of not feeling like you need to do it all on your own as well um, can be helpful as the kids get older. But particularly when you've got, you know, you're both working full time, you've got two young kids. I think that the best place to start is to create some boundaries uh, around what works for you and, and really defend them uh, and, and not try and give in to the, the FOMO. I think that we all feel as parents, which, you know, should my kid be doing a, a language plus a sport, plus a martial art, plus drama, you know, to be well-rounded. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I guess you could, you could make that argument, but is that going to be well-rounded for your family or is that, you know, is that going to work for your family? And I think just bringing it back to what works for you in the moment is, is the most important. And I really like that idea of it being all about the family rather than about one particular kid. Um, I think that we as parents get so caught up in, but, you know, my kid's really gifted in so many things or they've got the potential to be gifted in so many things. But we also want to teach them and grow, you know, beautiful human beings. So we want them to be gifted in how to be a family so that they can then go on to have their own family in whatever form that looks like, you know, and they can be good community citizens when they grow up. That's a really good point. I think just, uh, they need to understand. I mean, we all need to understand that we, we don't exist in a vacuum. You know, we don't live in a vacuum and we can't always do all the things that we want to do because that impacts everybody. And I think that, again, going back to what we spoke about in the last episode, you know, you teach by doing rather than teach by telling and you can, you can show your kids what that looks like. Yeah, and Brooke, we've done something in our family with those extracurriculars that we stole from you, is we talk about the tilt when it comes to that. So sometimes, say over a winter season, my kids might be doing three things. They've got band, they've got basketball, and maybe they're playing rep basketball, and we're really tilting into there's a lot of things on. And then come summer, they might only do one thing of basketball and we tilt the other way. And so that's been really helpful for us. And with kids, we've got one kid doing four after-school activities. A lot of them are at school, so we don't actually have to go anywhere. And the other one's doing one. And there's a tilt. And it's not about saying, for us, it's a balance. You get to pick one instrument, one sport, and one whatever. 
it's the tilt of, yep, right at this season, your brother's doing more, but you've got more time at home and then next season it might be different and we just tilt to however that looks in a season. Yeah, and I think that that's, um, again, explaining that to your kids is so important because it's it's not about, you know, who's getting what and who's missing out on what. It's about tilting and being a part, mm-hmm. again, a part of a family unit. Okay, the next question is from Erica and she says, how do you run a business and work in a modern sense and still find ways to unplug? Uh, yeah, Trademark unplug it. is the word, isn't it? Um, because so much of my work or pretty much all of my work involves being online in using some form of technology. So I have to be really mindful and intentional about the way I use uh, technology. And I, again, it's about developing boundaries uh, that work for me. So my the, the first and probably the most important thing in, in how my day is going to, to work is when I wake up, I don't get on my phone. Uh, I don't get on my phone before I'm out of bed uh, and I get up and I'll meditate. So technically I do use my phone, I guess, to meditate, but I sleep with it on um, airplane mode uh, outside of the bedroom. So when I get up, pick up my phone, it's not like my, my you know thumb can drift over to the Instagram app and be scrolling before I'm even awake. Um, so I get up, I meditate, I'll journal or drink a cup of tea and then get the day started before I even think about checking my emails or getting online. And that boundary really does impact the rest of my day, I think, because I don't know about anyone else, but if I do start my day in that kind of mindless scrolling mentality, that's sort of how the rest of my day will go. I I find it much harder to get out of procrastination when I've set myself up in in that sort of way already. So first of all, you know, having that that sort of boundary and and then also not being afraid to use technology to my advantage. So I've got a couple of apps that I use that help me to um, unplug or to be really mindful of the amount of time I'm using tech. Uh, the screen time app on the screen time setting rather on my iPhone is really helpful because you can set a limit for the amount of time per day you can spend on social media. And for me, that's 30 minutes a day. Um, wow, and once you get to really that point, <laughs> sorry. I was saying that's really controlled, 30 minutes. Sorry to talk over you. No, um, that's okay. I'm just like, what the 30 minutes? That's amazing. Uh, but, I mean, I don't, I don't use it very often. As... <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm like, last, last episode you pointed people to Instagram. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not there that often, but that's I'm there funny. more than I am anywhere else, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that, I mean, that really helps. And it's just, it, 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 it really does shift your mindset to being far more mindful of the amount of times you pick your phone up and and before you even realize that you're you're on Instagram. So I use that, but I also use an app called Forest when I'm doing deep work. Um, because I, I find that if I'm procrastinating or doing something difficult, I'll os- often reach for my phone because it's a you know a safety blanket. If I'm trying to write something and it's not coming, then my phone will be there and I'll pick it up and 20 minutes are gone. Uh, and I'm, I'm out of the zone. So I use this forest app, which you can set for, you know, 40 minutes, 60 minutes, up to an hour and a half. And um, it grows a little tree on your screen. And if you pick up your phone uh, in that allotted time, the tree dies. <laughs> and I find that it's so simple and so silly, but I don't want my little tree to die. So I use technology in that way to, you know, help, help uh, stay on top of, of my tech use. Um, and that surprisingly helps enormously because it, it draws my attention to how often I would have picked up the phone, uh, and makes me aware of that, but it also, you know, helps me to, to settle into anti-procrastination time. And for those of you who aren't slow home fans just yet, but you will be after these two episodes, we really recommend heading over and listening to the Slow Home podcast because Brooke and Ben have done some incredible experiments and one of them was on social media. (laughs) And so you'll get lots of tips from listening to the podcast around um, those experiments. Brooke, we are so grateful that you've come and shared so much fun and wisdom and experience with us and with our community. Thank you so, so, so much. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been awesome. And I loved answering your listener questions as well. 
Right, and we're going to have to like do a utter decluttering meat slow home podcast meetup somewhere before you. <laughs> that would be fun. Yeah. <laughs> we could do a live podcast. That would be awesome. <laughs> All right. I shouldn't say too much on air because then we're going to have to do it. <laughs> so just before we go, um, we've got a, another iTunes review from Rateburger. Um, and she, he, they said that they really love this podcast. I did some Netflix inspired decluttering earlier this year because I'd rather declutter than watch another minute of that excruciating show. Her opinion, <laughs> their opinion. Um, but then I lost motivation before I got through the whole house. Thankfully, the art of decluttering offers more than just clothes folding instructions. Every episode has really practical tips such as do some cleaning or tidying for just 15 minutes and just do the thing that your eyes land on first. I feel like this fantastic advice applies to all aspects of life where things can sometimes seem big and difficult and overwhelming and easier to avoid. So I'm trying to keep it in mind every day. Thanks so much for sharing your insights with the masses. And thank you, Rateburger, for a lovely review. We love we love hearing how people, um, what they think of the podcast, whether it's good or bad. So don't be scared if you hate the podcast. <laughs> We've got a few of those reviews, but you may not hear your review read out. <laughs> Yeah, not surprisingly. <laughs> we would love it if you took time to leave us a review on iTunes that helps us to reach more people, share the goodness that is decluttering and simplification. Um, and if you're a super fan of the podcast, as always, we'd love you to come over to patreon.com forward slash the out of decluttering and become a Patreon supporter and help us just continue the journey that we're on. And we will put links to Brooks everything um, in the show notes so um, just check out the show notes and you'll be able to um, link over to Brooke's amazing podcast and as always we highly recommend it because it's one of our faves so thank you again Brooke for joining us we um, yeah just like I almost want to bow down and worship you <laughs> this is for having me. <laughs> I know what what can you say to that Brooke I know <laughs> Please don't. I won't. Don't worry. It was quite blasphemous of me, really. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, Brooke. And we cannot wait to um, spend more time with you another time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us. If you've learned something awesome today, we'd love you to leave us a review on iTunes or Facebook so others can find our podcast too. Don't forget you can see the show notes in your podcast app or over at our website, artofdecluttering.com.au. So if there's anything you want more info on, check it out there. If you'd like to join our supporter community, you can do so over at patreon.com slash decluttering. We hope you have a great rest of your day and enjoy the freedom. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.